Hello, welcome to the Alone Show. I'm your host, John Alone. And in this episode, uh, we don't have any regulars because, well, depending when you're watching this, and uh, because of you know who and uh, you know what, uh, things got a little complicated along the process. Anyway, as for our guest, he is from Las Vegas in Nevada, and he is a filmmaker. But it's so much more than just that, because, ladies and gentlemen, this is Larry Sims. How are you doing this evening? Going great. Thanks for having me on your show. Anytime. So, how, how else is life going for you? Life's good. Um, I'm um, a 66-year-old filmmaker. Um, my health is excellent, and I... Um, in addition to being a filmmaker, I, I've, I've had a business going for quite some time, but I um, currently have my one film that is uh, in distribution. It's uh, streaming on 27 different streaming services, including Amazon Prime, um, uh, Google Play, Apple iTunes. Uh, the name of it is uh, Off the Grid, and if you're looking for it, the thumbnail is of a uh, there's a cowboy uh, riding a horse, pulling another horse with an orange sky in the background. It says in script writing above it, off the grid. That's uh, my film is out now. And I have uh, one film that's in post-production and two more being filmed at this time. Wow. Uh, that's, that's a lot of films in progress. Yeah, I stay pretty busy. Then I have a, 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 another company, a marketing company that, that I do work for uh, exclusively exclusively for one one company here in the Las Vegas market and we distribute products across the, the United States. Hmm. Okay. I like it. Very intriguing. Hmm. So what 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 encouraged you to become a filmmaker? It was purely by accident. Um uh my wife uh my wife and I've been married for 22 years. I have four daughters. Um I um, I was just sitting at the house one day uh, about three years ago, and my wife uh, found an, uh, an online uh, request for uh, people to be interviewed for a, a film called Finding Happiness. And so uh, my wife talked me into um, um, contacting these people, and so I sent them an email. About two weeks later, I got a phone call from, uh, from the director uh, who was doing it, and uh, he, uh, he said he'd like for me to be in his film as an interviewee. And so a couple of weeks after that, he brings the film crew out to my house. And um, uh, before he got here, I told my wife, you know, I, I have an idea for a film. And uh, it's an entirely separate story, but I am an expert on off-the-grid living. Uh, I, uh, that's a different story, though. But anyway, they come out to the house, and uh, they do the interview, and I, I tell him about my idea to do a film. He liked it. We went. We had a cup of coffee a couple of days later, and then about a, about six weeks, two months later, we were uh, at my uh, at my cabin in Utah, um, filming a uh, a trailer for uh, what ultimately became the film. It was about a six month process to film it, and uh, I just really fell in love with the the idea of uh, what I was doing. I was uh, I was. Uh, Part of the time I was filming, um, other times uh, I was writing. Uh, one of the big things you do when you're producing a, a documentary film, like the one I was doing, was is looking for interview uh, interviewees with uh, relevant subject matter. 
And before it was over, I had interviewed uh, 52 people in four states, uh, Arizona, Nevada, <clears throat> Utah, and uh, the state of Mississippi, actually. Uh, I was there, there on a trip, and there's, there, believe it or not, there are off-grid people in the state of Mississippi. But it's much more prevalent in, in the western United States uh, where water and, and power is not as readily available. So uh, most of the subject matter did come from um, in the west where I live. And, uh, it, you know, it just it caught on. I, I got, got some help from my Hollywood buddies uh, who, who we, we do projects doing multiple projects on, uh, with right now. And, um, uh, you know, it's just, I, I, I found a passion. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not old, old, but 66 is getting up there, but at, at, at the end of life, I, I found something I'm really passionate about. Okay. That's great. And out of the movies that you've done or are currently doing right now, which one is your favorite? You've, enjoy working on well uh and that's the you know i mentioned there was another story um um my favorite film is off the grid but i am filming a sequel to off the grid which is uh obviously called off the grid too uh right now we're filming that but it all started when i was a kid sitting in front of the television in the 1960s walking watching on a black and white tv daniel boone and davy crockett and, I, you know, I, I grew up in a small town in, in Mississippi. And, um, you know, it's a very flat land area, uh, the farm and timberland where I grew up. And I've always liked the mountains, and I fell in love with the mountains as a kid. And uh, as I got older, I went to the mountains the first time when I was probably about 20 years old in Tennessee and, and uh, in Georgia. And uh, I really in, enjoyed uh, – that and the, the scenery was um, uh, beautiful, and I always, you know, loved the wildlife and the mountains. And uh, I, I said, one day, uh, I was even telling my dad as a kid, one day I'm going to have a cabin in the mountains somewhere, and uh, I, I want to be around that sort of thing. But my dad loved the ocean. He 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 uh, he, he always was in love with the ocean. He had a, a really big fishing boat. We used to go in the Gulf of Mexico fishing as a kid. I wanted to do just the exact opposite. I wanted to be in the mountains. So as I got older, uh, um, I, I got into my mid-30s, and I was li um, living in Hermosa Beach, California, and I went to the library uh, one day, and I took some drafting paper and some pencil and a ruler, and I started drawing versions of the cabin that I, I had in my mind that I wanted to build one day. And so I, um, I, I sit, sit there, and I would draw it, and I draw it, and I drew pretty much the same thing probably a half a dozen times with different versions of everything, but uh, that was back in the 1980s. And uh, fast forward to uh, 2005, uh, I, I, I finally had gotten to financially successful enough to where I had the money to build a cabin. And so I, I built my, uh, my cabin in uh, desert high country of Southern Utah uh, in 2005, 2006. And of course it's still there today. And, it's a, uh, an extreme passion of mine. And the next step for me was to, to make a movie about, uh, about off the, uh, something to do with off the grid living, but off the grid is not about how to build an off the grid, uh, cabin. It's about the philosophical beliefs that people have as to why they choose to live off the grid. And there's, and I interview people from the far left, people from the far right, people who, 
or preppers. I uh, interviewed uh, people who believed that uh, uh, I, I interviewed a, a, a psychiatrist uh, uh, who has a, has a home in Cold Creek, Nevada. He has multiple homes, actually, um, who believes in uh, the depopulation of the planet. And uh, he, he was quite an interesting interview. So I had a variety of different kind of people in the film and and uh, with all different kinds of points of view about why they do it. Uh, some people were uh, just brand new to Off the Grid, and they were doing it because they were terrified of the, the crime, particularly it was going on in places like Portland and Oakland and, and Seattle. Uh, 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 some of the people that I interviewed for the film were real estate brokers, and their phones were ringing off the hook during COVID, particularly people looking for a place to escape the cities with the, with the crime and the COVID and uh, wanting to buy property. And uh, uh, so, it, you know, I, a really, really large cross-section of people with different uh, belief systems and reasons for wanting to live off the grid. Hmm. Okay. Intriguing. Is, and do you have, like, any other ideas about what movies you potentially want to produce sometime in the future? Uh, yeah, I do. I, um, uh, you know, um, I have a – I'm actually filmed a TV pilot back in uh, July. Uh, it was another idea I had. Uh, about all the people is called uh, it, the film uh, the the TV pilot's name is Fabrication Nation. Uh, it's in post production right now. We're editing it right now. We anticipate it being ready to go to market in February or March. We're going to start putting it out there, uh, looking for potential uh, people uh, or tier one or tier two networks to that might be interested in it. Uh, the film is about uh, all the people that make the entertainment industry possible the the carpenters uh the welders the fabricators uh the engineers the design people uh uh, uh powder coating experts um uh so the sign manufacturers uh so we we uh we fil- decided to film the tv pilot uh i i, I produced the film and I, I did quite a bit of the b-roll filming of the project but i hired a professional film crew and we came in for a couple of weeks and we and filmed in a variety of locations in Las Vegas. And uh, it's uh, the idea is that the, we're going to showcase all the people that make or behind the scenes that make the entertainment industry possible. Uh, we're going to do it with a little bit of a, a little bit of a twist. My, the star of the show was a young lady named Tanya Kay. She has uh, more than 100 IMDb credits. We were really, really pleased with she was the, uh, the host of the show and did a, a great job for us. We were very pleased with it. And um, that, that was a TV pilot. Uh, but another um, uh, project that, um, that, that I'm uh, involved with that I was asked to produce was uh, I uh, show uh, it's going to be a documentary, TV kind of documentary uh, about the Kairos prison ministry. It's called The Four Days of Kairos. We've already started filming that. Uh, where uh, people go into the prisons and uh, minister to uh, prisoners. And what's inter- really interesting about Kairos is, is uh, everywhere that it's been, and it's in uh, 31 states in the U.S., um, and it, um, everywhere that it goes, um, uh, the violence in those prisons goes down uh, 20 and 30 percent as a result of the Kairos prison ministry. So, even if you, you know, even if you're secular in your view, it reduces um, uh, the, Cairo, uh, the Cairo's prison ministry 
does wonderful things for the uh, for the people that are good. Most of these people, uh, I've actually been into a prison in in Poplarville, Mississippi, where most of the people that were, I was there for a four day, uh, four day period for the Kairos prison ministry, uh, doing some observation before we film it. And most of the guys that were there, they were in there, uh, in there for life. Most of them were in for murder or, you know, and sometimes worse. Um, and, uh, but it, it improves, uh, it improves, it reduces crime on the inside of the prison which uh, reduces the, the cost to the taxpayer when uh, they're not constantly having to fund the, or, or hire more and more guards and build more and more prisons. It's, it's a good thing for the taxpayer. So it, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're religious or you're secular, it's, it's a good thing. Very nice. Mm-hmm. What happens in real life but rarely gets portrayed in movies? I, I'm sorry, I, I did not understand. We, you, do you, want me, do you want me to repeat the question? Uh, yes, if you would, please. I'm sorry. It, it kind of broke up just a little bit. Oh, it's all right. I understand my mic is uh, busty. What happens in real life but rarely gets portrayed in movies? Uh, wow. That, you know, there's a million people who say this when they get hit with a question they don't know how to answer, but that's a really good question. Uh, I... Um, I think more and more um, it might be uh, something to do with what real truth is. Uh, I'm a big believer in in, in, in empirical truth and um, truth. And it's, it's something that is harder, harder to find uh, are people who will actually tell the truth, even when it doesn't benefit them. And I don't believe there's enough in that anymore. Teaching life's lessons, particularly to young people, where, you know, they, they, they need to have television and, and movies that, that, that are great teachers on how to be a, be a more moral and, and, and just human being, uh, uh, being willing to do the hard work necessary to be successful in life. Believe me, my life has not been simple. Uh, it has not been easy. Uh, I had a very tough time growing up. Um, I, uh, I was dyslexic. Um, and uh, I had, uh, you know, dyslexia held me back for a long, long time. I finally started getting help that I needed with dyslexia. And I, I'm, a, I'm a fairly gifted writer today. I, I, I write quite a bit of the stuff that I produce now, and I've written books. But it, it was a long, hard battle for me. But, you know, when I was younger, um, um, it was depressing to me uh, to not being able to I always felt like I was a fairly intelligent person. Uh, I never, you know, I, I don't think I'm Einstein, but, you know, I, I was above average uh, uh, in intelligence and in IQ, but I, I, I could not read. And one of the byproducts of trying to cope with that is I started drinking at a very early age. And uh, it became it, it became unmanageable in my late 30s. And I finally quit drinking uh, when I was 41 years old. And I tell everybody, you know, that everything that's good that's ever happened to me uh, has happened to me since I quit drinking at age 41. And uh, a matter of fact, uh, on the, uh, just two days ago was 25 years that I have been completely alcohol-free, haven't had a drop of alcohol in 25 years. And my life has changed and turned around remarkably uh, since I quit drinking. And 
uh, and, and just so many people out there struggling with their alcohol or drugs or many other types of addictions. And, you know, you just have to put away the, uh, the old saying is you have to put away childish things at some point in life. And I did. And, uh, after that, um, my, my life really started coming together. I became, you know, uh, successful in business. Uh, I met my wife uh, about three years after I quit drinking. We've been married for 22 years. And, of course, I have four beautiful daughters, and uh, we, we have a really great life together. Okay. That's nice. Thank what, you. What, you're welcome. What is, what is the best pair of shoes you've ever owned? You know, uh I used to be a runner when I was a kid and, um, uh, and the shoe that you can still buy the shoe today. And I've been, you have to understand that I, I was buying running shoes 40, 45 years ago. Uh, but new balance nine nineties, uh, was the, was the number on those. Those were the most comfortable shoes that I've ever had. Uh, and that they, 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 they would change the shoe up and they call it the nine ninety one, the nine ninety two. And I don't currently have a pair of them right now. I have some new ballots, but I probably had 10 pairs of those shoes through my life, and I, and, and I love those shoes. That's an interesting question. I'm, I'm not sure where that would come from, but uh, that's yeah, Neither do I. Question. Yeah, just came out of nowhere. This is like all yeah. I always do. Yeah. If your life was a meal, what kind of meal would it be? If my life was a meal, what kind of meal it would be? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it would be something without carbohydrates in it. Um, I, you know, we really do need to talk about, uh, me being an expert on being off the grid living. The other thing I am an expert on is, and, uh, uh, I, I'm not what you would call a keto guy. Uh, I, I, I avoid carbohydrates. I eat two meals a day. I fast. Uh, at least twice a week, sometimes three times a week for 36 hours. I'll, I'll eat at five o'clock on Thursday and I won't eat again until Saturday at, at, at uh, six in the morning. I, and I, I do that a couple of times a week. And um, so if I had to give you the perfect meal, it, it would be steak and broccoli. Um, that, that's, you know, I, I, and, and I, like, I like a filet. I like a, a fattier steak. You, you need to eat more fat in your diet to be healthier. And most people, a lot of people are listening and say, what's this guy talking about? Eating fat, fat's bad for you. Red meat's bad for you. Uh, but I just had a, I had a doctor's appointment today. Uh, and my doctor, you know, we were reviewing all my numbers. And uh, I have the... Uh, I have the, if you were to take a look at my blood work, and I'm not going to tell you specifics about it, but uh, my A1C, my cholesterol, my triglycerides, um, everything is perfect. Uh, you know, it's like I'm 35 years old and I'm 66. But uh, one, of the, one of the most interesting thing about it was, I was my doctor, who's also a friend of mine who I was talking to today, um, we were talking, he was looking and said, wow, he said, are you taking something, are you taking testosterone or something? Because your testosterone's through the roof. He said, yeah, I know it's high. And I said, and that, you know, and, uh, it's, it's my diet and the exercise I do. He said, your, your testosterone's almost 700. He said, he said, I got guys 30, 30 and 35 years old coming in here with testosterone levels of, uh, 200, 250. 
and uh, they're, you know, they're doing testosterone replacement therapy because they're getting up. Well, I can, t- I can, t- I'll just tell everybody that's listening. The reason for that is you're eating too many carb, you're eating carbohydrates, and carbohydrates will kill your testosterone because of the glucose in your blood and because of insulin spiking. You you get you stop your glu- you reduce your glu- uh, your glucose level in your blood and your insulin spikes and your cholesterol will slow uh, your excuse me your testosterone will come back. So steak and broccoli is is it for me? Hmm. Okay, that's that's interesting. What if you could live anywhere in the world? Where would it be? <clears throat> I'm torn through it from a couple of places. I. Uh, you know, I've, I've been uh, I've been to uh, 47 U.S. states and uh, 17 countries around the world. But if I could live anywhere I wanted to, I I've been going to Catalina Island forever. Um, and who knows, I may eventually live at Catalina. I, I, I haven't made that commitment. Probably the only reason why I wouldn't move to Catalina uh, and is because of high taxes in California. Uh, I enjoy, you know zero state income tax in the state of Nevada. Uh, and then my property in Utah is, you know, is, uh, you know, I, I love Utah, but I would love to live at Catalina. Uh, I've done quite a bit of backpacking on Catalina and I just like it because it's a small, small population. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I've been to Hawaii and, I, but I, uh, but I just, I just love Catalina. I just love the small town feel of it. Okay. That's, that's actually a good choice. I would also love, love to live there eventually. Yeah. What music do you put on when you get pumped, like excited, energetic? Uh, uh, Guns N' Roses. You know, everybody, I'm 66, you got to understand Guns N' Roses uh, and uh, Van Halen, uh, Loverboy. Those were, those were always some, some bands that I, I was very, very fond of. But if I'm going to, but my favorite, favorite uh, music is Gordon Lightfoot. I, I've, I've been listening to Gordon Lightfoot for 40, 45 years. I love his music. It's folk music. He's Canadian. Um, I, I've actually seen him in concert one time here in Vegas about 20 years ago. And uh, he's, you know, it's, that's really my favorite music. But, you know, if I want to get pumped up, you know, Guns N' Roses. Yeah, that, that's a very good choice. What was the scariest movie you've seen? The scariest movie I've ever seen uh, was when I was a kid. I was either 16 or 17, and it, it, it was The Exorcist. That really terrified me. It terrified a lot of people uh, my, from my generation. Uh, you know, up until that time, those kind of movies just didn't exist. I mean, uh, uh, you know, it was a much more uh, um, uh, more tame Tame world in the movie theater up until the time of Exorcist. Exorcist was is pretty small potatoes now <clears throat> in that world, but excuse me, okay. it's pretty small potatoes compared to some of the horror films that come out now. But it, it was very terrifying to me. <clears throat> okay, that's cool. What could you give a forty-minute presentation on with absolutely no preparation? I could talk to you about off the grid living for 40 minutes straight and, and just keep going on and on and on. Uh, I could probably talk to you about um, the, benef- the benefits of fasting and 
<coughs> excuse me, benefits of fasting and uh, and uh, uh, ketogenic diet. I could probably, I might be able to stretch it out that long, but I wouldn't have any problem at all with uh, off the grid living and, and the stories I could tell. Fabulous. What's something you tried really hard to like, but you just didn't or couldn't? Country. Like country music. Um. What kind of what country have I really tried to like? But I, is, uh, are you talking about a, a far? Or, no, you know, like, sorry. Well, what I was trying to say is, what's something you tried really hard to like, but you just couldn't? Uh, I just uh, rap. I don't like rap. It's not my thing. Um, I. Um, I'm sorry. I said fair enough. Yep. So, do you enjoy spicy? Do you enjoy eating spicy food? Yeah, occasionally I do. Um, I uh, I like jalapeno peppers, um, and I like Mexican food. Um, uh, that that that's about as far as I'll go though is jalapeno. I know there's stuff that's hotter than that, but um, sometimes I can just eat them raw. They're I like them. Cool, cool. What what recent news story have you found most interesting? There's a news story about. Um, that that I, I I just saw it, and you know a lot of the archaeologists around the world. Uh, maybe I've missed it uh, because I've had my my head buried in my work for the last two or three years. I think this came out a couple of couple of three in the last couple of years, but there's a there's quite a bit of research about ancient ancient cultures and ancient pyramids that that predate. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the Mexican uh, pyramids and the Giza pyramids and uh, uh, that are, you know, up to 16,000 years old uh, that have been found in places like Java. Uh, and it's really, really fascinating. And there's, there's quite a few um, uh, historians and world uh, uh, archaeologists who are really, really upset by all this. And I'm, I'm just fascinated by the fact that uh, they're um, they're trying to claim that it, it's not real or uh, <clears throat> or that it's, um, it's it's not as old as they say it is. But there's there's quite a bit of evidence that's mounting uh, from what I've been able to read about here recently and and see uh, see uh, in, uh, there was one documentary that was out uh, about this that um, we were much more sophisticated culture going much further back than than most of us. We have been led to believe, you know, and, and you know, over the last hundred years of all the research, you know, we're supposed to be about forty-five hundred, five thousand years that we've came away from being a hunt, hunt, hunt and gather society. Uh, but there's evidence now from what they're finding that uh, there's been established cities and civilizations going back fifteen, sixteen thousand years, and I find that fascinating. Okay, that's cool. What is the worst tasting thing you have ever eaten? Oh, um, I was at a party one time, and uh, they, they were they were they were ser- serving food, and it, it was like meat, and I, I didn't know what it was. But it was uh, after everybody got through eating it, they they told everybody what it was, and it was intest- cow intestines or something. And it was, and I, I mean, I was trying to be polite. Uh, but, uh, it, it was really, really pretty hideous. I, I choked down a little of it. Uh, but 
I thought it was pretty rude to invite us to a party and don't tell us what they're feeding us before they fed, fed it to us. I don't know, I, I, I'm sure I did, you know, there's sure a reason why I don't remember these people's name because that's the last step time I ever saw them. Uh, I, uh, but it was horrible. I, I just couldn't, it's not my thing. Okay. Okay. What is the one thing you can't live without? Are you talking about emotionally or physically or anything in general? Um, I don't think there's anything that you can't live without, but the, uh, it would be very difficult for me not to have, uh, uh, my family. I'm very close to my four daughters and my wife. And, uh, uh, but you know, from time to time you lose people, you know, I lost my father. He died, uh, in March of 2001. My mother died five years before that. Um, it's, um, um, it's um, very difficult to lose people. Um, I uh, pets and all and everything, but I think you can you can grow to you, you know you can move on after losing something. But it's very difficult to uh, live without people and and even your pets. So uh, I've had pets I'm very close to. Yes, absolutely. If someone wrote a book about you, what do you think its title would be? That's a good, uh, I, I hate using that saying, but that's a good question. I've never thought about it. You know, I've actually, I've actually written an autobiography about myself, but I've decided not to publish it because some of the stuff is so sensitive in the book. Uh, but I'll tell you the name of that book. It was called Man Trap. And there, and there was an entirely different reason other than it being my autobiography, the reason it was named that. Um, but um, I, uh, if I were trying to be funny, there's a, there's a movie that I'm very fond of that, that Paul Newman was called The Life and Times of Judge Roy Bean or maybe The Life and Times of Larry Sims. I've had a, I have had a very interesting life. I, uh, I have uh, survived against numerous odds. I, I had some terrible things happen to me, childs that are unspeakable that I don't even want to, I don't even talk about it, you know, publicly. Uh, but, you know, you can use your imagination. Things that happened to me when I was very small, I survived all that and, and moved on. Uh, I've lived all over the U.S. I've lived, uh, I grew up in Mississippi. I've lived in Florida, New York, North Carolina. Um, lived in um, California for five years. I lived in Arizona for a couple of years. And I've been living in Nevada for the last 32 years. Uh, I've, uh, I've been all over the place and I uh, had to do things that that I you know j just to survive in terms of jobs that were I just always felt like I uh, uh, were way uh, I shouldn't have been having to do those kind of jobs and of course over time I, I developed skills uh, and uh, and by the time I got in my 40s uh, I started having the kind of jobs that, uh, that that I've been doing for the last two to three decades which is I do quite a bit of marketing and sales for people uh in addition to making film and uh that's pretty much it um i um um that that kind of tells you what you want to know right there okay fabulous and that was all we have for this episode it was great having you here larry talking about your work as a filmmaker your previous and upcoming projects and a lot of other things it's been fabulous Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Anytime. And until next time, stay tuned for more.